Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You are listening to Any Given Sunday, a part of the Dead End Podcast Network. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other podcasting services. Please make sure you check out Dead End Hip Hop, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, Is the Mic Still On, Chris Platt's Strictly Hip Hop and Hoops Talk, and a host of other shows on our podcast network. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. This is Any Given Sunday for Sunday, January 5th, 2020. I am your host, Manny Brown. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Any Given Sunday, the first episode of Any Given Sunday for the year 2020. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed your holiday break, spent that uh, wonderful quality time with your families, uh, enjoyed uh, whatever religious holiday you celebrated. Happy New Year to everybody out there. All that good stuff. Um, my guest this week is a uh, a returning guest, one of our favorite guests on the show. Uh, I like to call him my foil because um, he plays the part well. Mr. Ray Jarvis, host of uh, the Gray Area Podcast, host of the The Rap Roundtable. What's going on, man? Happy New Year, first and foremost. Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, all that yeah, good stuff. Yeah, you already know, man. Happy New Happy Year. Happy New Year. Thank Welcome to the show. Me, you know. It's, it's good to be back, you know, to, to play this foil position that you've bestowed upon me. And you and you play the role well, sir. So I, I, I commend you for that. <laughs> I commend you for that. What's Whatever, going on, bro. man? What's going on, man? How's, uh, how's 2020 treating you so far? I mean, everything is everything. I can't complain. 2020, it, it's been safe so far. Nothing crazy's happened, knock on wood. I'm hoping for... More of that and, and a few personal expansions as far as, you know, career goals, life goals, you know, things of that nature. So that's, that's what we're working on in this new year. The, uh, another level up. Every year you want to level up. So this, this, I want the biggest level up ever in 2020. Facts. Facts. And you said safe. Uh, that That's, of course, if our fearless leader doesn't decide to bomb somebody else in Iran and puts. Yeah, you, you know, our fearless and, leader, and, uh, 45 himself. Uh, you know, the, the, the problem is it's, it's poorly timed. Everyone knows why he did it. So it's just a matter of the American people. Like I said, like I said the other day, he's like, you know, when you play peekaboo with the toddler and the toddler really believes that you can't see him, you know, that this, this maneuver right here is him being the toddler. We all know what you're doing, 45. Just, just, just hurry up and get to fall 2020 so we don't have to see his face anymore. That's all I want. Uh, well, let's, let's hope, man. Your lips are God's ears, bro. I, you, you got a lot more confidence in that than I do uh, right now. Oh, I don't have any I, confidence. I'm, this, this is all hope. 
<laughs> well, you're right, man. We got to We got to It's 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 only the we're only we're only five days into this shit, so we got to at least have some yeah. hope. You, we, you can't, you know, I mean, you you can't be dour five days into 2020. You got to at least have some hope. Now, talk to me. Talk to me February 20th, and and you know that's all hope is going out the window. But uh, yeah, so far, <laughs> so far, so far, we got to keep hope alive, man. Uh, how's the podcast going, man? How's the uh, the rap round table? How's uh gray area? Talk about those for a couple I mean, minutes. Podcast game is is what it is as far as the round table. We we're steady growing as far as creatively and how we want to do that. We, we've had people who are fringe artists as far as record deals, a blue check here or there, who have hit us up on a humble requesting to come on a pod. They want to do like promotional runs for these for these acts and they want our podcast to be part of their promo run. So we're gonna nice. have them on in the coming year. Probably the first quarter of the year. Like the first few not not the the episode that just dropped the January episode, but like the February and March and April episodes, you're gonna hear like guests coming on who are artists who wanna use our platform to promote their work. It's gonna be a bit of a cross branding, cross promotion situation with that. So we're gonna do that. As to the gray area, I mean, I I lost my well, I don't wanna say I lost, but I don't have my usual recording spot and I haven't found a studio that, that suits my needs the way I need mm-hmm. it to. Like the spot that we record the round table at is cool. But it's, it's, a, it's a few logistical things that we haven't sorted out, which is why I haven't recorded a gray area there. So I'm in the process of looking for a spot that fits with what I want to do, my approach to the show, because that, that spot wants you to record multiple episodes at a time. Like, while my show isn't about super timeliness, mm-hmm. I, don't want it, I don't want my show to be dated either. So I'm trying to find that spot where I can record at the consistent level I was recording that in my old spot, or if my engineer becomes available because he, he's been doing freelance work and he, he found a couple of gigs that's occupied all of this time. So if, he, if his schedule opens up, I'll be back in my home spot, which is really what I'm hoping for. But in the meantime, I'm trying to find a spot so I can give you that gray area that y'all need because I'm getting tired of answering the question, where's the gray area? Where, where you dropping? And I don't have an answer for them. I know the people need it, and I'm trying to get it to them. I understand. I get it. I get it, man. Hey, man, this is this, this is a lot of see people don't understand, man, with this podcast thing. It's, it's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, man. It's not just turn on a microphone and turn on a computer and just go. You know what I mean? We're not we're not Stephen A. Smith's. We don't we don't we don't have studios at our disposable at, at a at a snap of our fingers. You know what I mean? So, so exactly. sometimes there's sometimes there's logistical things that go on that that uh, the average listener does not understand or doesn't comprehend. So. Uh, yeah, man. No, no, no doubt, man. No doubt. So I know you. I know you don't have a specific timetable for those that are wondering, though. Just kind of a guesstimation, best educated guess when they could um, probably. The gray will be back this month, hands down. Don't don't, don't get it confused. Okay. If it's okay. not, if it, it it won't be this week, um, if not next week, the week after we'll be back in because it's it's a few things that I need to talk about. I've, I've had, like again, you already know, like the internet is a vast place. And there's yes. a lot of poor takes out there, and I need to address them. You and I were supposed to chop it up and, and, and BTG about our Lakers. So there's things, there's things that I need to sort out. So the, the gray air be back sooner rather than later. It ain't going to be like March or April. Before this month is out, there'll be at least two episodes of the gray area out there. Okay, that's good. That's good. Just just wanted to see. Y'all heard it here first. You know, this this month... Don't know when exactly, but this, but this month we will see another episode of the Gray Area. In, in the words of Biggie Small, I'll, I'll drop unexpectedly like bird shit. You know, put it that way. Facts. Okay, understood. Understood. No need to. Uh, don't need to beat a dead horse anymore. Next, this month for sure. 
coming. Another episode of the Gray Area Podcast, man. All right, man, but uh, let's get into it. Uh, let's get into it. So, um, I, well, I, I was going to start with I was going to start with Star Wars, but I, I let's not bury the lead here. Uh, I think there's two <laughs> bigger stories that are are of more pressing need and and, and urgency. Um, obviously, the Patriots losing last night and Tom Brady potentially, potentially, and we'll get to that playing his final game as a New England Patriot. Um, and then, of course, what you just saw today, uh, the Saints being eliminated from the uh, from the NFC playoffs by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, Pat's losing or or the or uh, the Saints losing? Well, let's set the tone with the Pats. You know, they, that that is the the modern dynasty in sports as a whole right now. So mm-hmm. let's, let's let's go right there. All right, man. I mean, yeah. Let's 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 touch on that. Um, first and foremost. Um, are you surprised by the outcome? I know some people had picked the Titans throughout the week. I know that the Patriots, I know that there was a, a narrative going around that the Patriots were vulnerable and they were weak. I don't ever buy into that because I've, Lord knows I have been tortured by this franchise for many a year. And I, and I oh, yeah. never, ever truly count out the Patriots until I see a stake in their heart. And last night was one of those instances. So, you know, hey, I, 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 glad, I'm glad that I was wrong, but uh, I, I, I never... I never believed in that narrative per se, but um, are you surprised at the outcome? Uh, first and foremost, we'll start with that. Yes, I'm surprised at the outcome. I'm not even gonna try to lie. Like some people, oh well, I had the I had the Titans winning, and whatever the case may be, a lot of people do that in their front. And everyone who picked the Titans picked, I would say, ninety percent of the people who picked the Titans picked because they just don't like the Patriots. It's not because they got some kind of like knowledge or, or, or whatever Absolutely. the case may yeah. be. I'm surprised because, at the very least, I believe that their defense with the way the Titans play offense would be good enough to stop the Titans enough to win a home game before going to Kansas City and getting packed up. I didn't have them going to the Super Bowl, but I had Mahomes and them dealing with them salaciously in Kansas City. So, yes, I'm surprised that their offense was, is, it was, it was so bad at home in the playoffs that Brady – couldn't muster up 20 points at home against the Titans defense. I'm not saying the Titans defense was bad, but holding Brady to 13 points good? I'm not I'm not buying it. I guess I have to now. Yeah, no, I I uh, I agree with you. Um yeah, it's a, it's it was it was surprising how bad offensively they played. And I and I just honestly I don't really understand because I mean, this is kind of the same cast of characters minus Gronk, of course, and that's a big minus, obviously. But this is kind of the same cast of characters that they had last year. And, you know, last year they weren't a a horrific offensive team like they were this year, or at least for parts of Mm -hmm. this year. So I don't really understand the drop-off. Can it all just be Gronkowski? I I don't think so, although Gronkowski is a huge, huge uh, piece to be without. Um, yeah, is, has it all been Gronkowski? Um, I think I think it's been a combination. I think of things. I think it's been Gronkowski being out. Obviously, I think Brady's getting old. And when I say he's getting old, I still think he can win a championship. I still think he is a top flight quarterback. What I mean by right. he's getting old is that he's not the same Tom Brady that you just throw out there and you say Tom save us. That you can throw any Tom Dick and Harry out there and say Tom lead us to to the promised land. I don't think you have that same Tom Brady anymore. I think you have a Tom Brady now that is still very good and he's still great at times and he can still win you 
you know, three to four games in the postseason to get you, you know, to win a championship. But he needs pieces around him now, you know, as before where you can kind of just throw anybody out there, you know, your bargain bin basement receiver out there and he can lead those guys to the Super Bowl. I think it's different. Um, now. I think that's shifted. Do you agree, agree with that take? Um, I, I agree that that Brady is. He, 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 all right. You know what? Brady's done. I'll put it to you like that. I'm just looking at ah, him. Really? He's not. Done. He's done. Um, when I, when I look at him move around this year, don't get me wrong. He still has better feet than Eli Manning. But when I said Eli Manning was done, a lot of times I got, I've run into this problem where when I say certain things, I don't say certain things as far as like that second. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of projection in what I'm saying. When I told people Eli was done, it's because I already saw where he was going and what the team around him was. So even if he had some arm talent left, he didn't have everything placed just perfectly for, for him to highlight what he does best, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm saying the same thing about Tom Brady because of that same scenario. He can't do what he's best at anymore. Therefore, he's done. What he's done best, as far as carrying teams, masking the flaws of his teams, finding a Gronk or an Edelman, or just or just extending a random play that he had no business extending, he can't do that anymore. The ball lost some of the zip. A lot, like, like to use a baseball analogy, it's like his his fastball looks like a changeup right now, and his changeup is a lollipop. It's gonna get crushed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. in a situation. Like this particular season, not having Gronk is paramount because defensively, when you had Gronk on the field, man, you're a Jeff fan. You've seen this firsthand. You have a linebacker and a safety on Gronk at all times. You're not playing man-to-man with Gronk. Let's say mm-hmm. 90% of the time he's getting double covered. So now when Julian Edelman is running these option routes and running these quick posts, skinny posts, quick slants, quick digs, etc. He's facing a lot of man coverage. As the season went along and people realized that Mohamed Sanu wasn't about anything for the Patriots, there was so much traffic in Julian Edelman's area. So he couldn't get off how he got off. They had no other receiver to get off how they got off. The running backs weren't very useful out of the bat. You had more bodies to deal with the, the, the Patriots offensively, even the little dink and dunk passes to the running backs, because Gronk didn't carry two people with him at all times. So you're asking the quarterback to do more who can't do more with extreme amounts of less. And what you have is one of the worst offices that Patriots have ever had in the Tom Brady era. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying. I, I still I'm still not gonna go all the way and say that he's done. Um, because I mean, even last night, I mean, if they just if they could just muster <laughs> a positive play. At any point in that game, they probably end up winning that game anyway. So I, I'm not going to go right. all the way and say that he's done. That you know you that you'll never see him win another championship again. I, I, I'm just not going to go that route. But I mean, I'm not also I'm also not going to bet on it. I'm also not going to sit here and you know spend my life's earnings and tell you you know that you know I I guarantee that Tom Brady will be back in the Super Bowl tomorrow. Like I don't I'm I'm not going to go there. Well, I mean, that's I think why you, I'm here. I think, I'll do it for you. I think I think you I think you are seeing the beginnings of the end. I think you are seeing that. I, I don't know when that moment will be. Will it be next year? Will it be the year? I think at most at most you are seeing the final year or two of Tom Brady. 
I think he's don't got another afraid, year bro. for sure in it. No, I'm, I'm no, I'm just I'm being honest. Don't be like, afraid, I, I don't, bro. He's finished. It's done. I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna go ahead and say he's finished. I, I'm I'm not. Now again, I could be wrong. And, and if he and if he is, I'll be I'll be the happiest I've ever been to be wrong. But I'm just not gonna go there just yet. I'm not. Now again, if you are right, all salute to you, all praise to the most high to you. But I'm just not going to go that route. Um, so I guess the, the second layer to this then is obviously all the talk and all the hoopla surrounding uh, um you know, is this the end? Obviously, they made a big deal of that um, throughout last night's game. Uh, you know, the angst of the crowd and all that mess. Um, are you are you buying what they selling? Are you buying that that this is the end for Tom Brady? I mean, he already basically in the inter- in the post game said he's not retiring. So we can we can rule that we can, we don't even have to discuss that now. Like he's not retiring. So do you buy uh, that he won't be back with the Patriots? Do you buy that he's going to be on another team? Like, where, where, are you buying what, what the media is trying to sell? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, he'll be back next season. I'm not sure. I think the bigger question mark is, is around Bill Belichick more so than, than, than Tom Brady. Because <laughs> okay. Bill, apparently, apparently Bill might be a free agent after this particular season. There's no real information on what his contractual obligations are to the Patriots. So I'm, I'm more concerned about where the coach is going. I think Tom Brady is stubborn enough to continue to, his career in the league. But I'm starting to wonder, if you look at how Bill put this this particular team together, Maybe that relationship is done. Jimmy G is is in San Fran. His success is gone. Brady's getting older. There's no clear path for a rebuild or a successor at the quarterback position. So mm-hmm. I don't. I, yeah. I I expect Tom Brady to to look as worse as he's ever looked next season coming back to the league. But we have to wonder if Bill Belichick will be the coach. And that's my take. Is BB going to be there? Let's see. So you're you're predicting that they're, they're there's going to be a power play, you know. It's going to be one. It's yeah. going to come down to it's going to come down to Bill or Tom, basically. One of one of the bees is not going to be in New England next year, whether it be Brady or Belichick. One of those two, and I'm leaning towards Belichick being gone. Well, see, I can see that. I, I definitely can see that because I like last night. I'm sitting there and I'm trying to like play this out here, and I'm and I'm. I'm, I'm not buying into it, but I'm, t- I'm trying to see where everybody's coming from with this whole, is this the end? Is this the end? Is this the end? And the, and the thing I can't realize, I, I, I can't figure out is, okay, if you're Tom Brady, okay, let's just say, let's just play this out for a second, right? Let's just say Tom Brady's already said he's coming back, right? So we know he's not retiring. So let's just play this out for a second, right? And let's just say that he decides the Patriots and him part ways. If you're Tom Brady, where are you going? I can't, I don't see an opening anywhere else that makes a lot of sense for him to play again. I mean, I, I mean, I know teams. I know the teams that people threw out there were the Chargers. Uh, really, like, if you're Tom Brady, are you going to to play for the you know the fifth team in LA? Really, is that what is that what you're doing? Um, the Raiders. Uh, really, uh, I mean, even Oakland. I, I don't. Yeah, I guess Las Vegas. Okay, that's us. Yeah, uh, Las Vegas. Yeah. Really care for for Carr so much. He loves old veteran quarterbacks. He won with Rob Johnson. Okay. I mean, that's a possible destination. I know that people threw out there Denver, but I know Denver likes the kid uh, Drew Locke and he played well. I know it's only been, what, four games. That's not enough of a sample size. I get it. But I mean, if you're Denver, are you going to basically shelve Drew Locke after you've you've invested time and energy into getting him developed to say, okay, Tom, come play with us for the next two years? 
and Drew Locke sits on the bench for two years. I, I don't necessarily believe that. Um, I know the Bears. I know one of my boys threw out the Bears as a possible destination, I guess. I mean, I guess, I, there isn't that clear-cut situation where I can see, yep, that's it. That's where he's going to go. Um, you know, the Redskins, yeah. no. Uh, yeah, I, I just I don't see it. Do you? I think he's going to be a Patriot next year. That's, that's, he, that's why I'm just like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see him putting on another uniform. But you know, this is the beauty of what we do. We, we, we don't, we don't, we don't be in this game to to try to hit one thousand. We, we like to hit three hundred. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I could be dead yeah. wrong on this one. It might be a full on strikeout on three pitches, but I think, I think he's going to be a Patriot for for one final season. I think next season is going to be his last. But I just. I just don't see them demand Belichick there. But I think Brady gets one more run, and the Patriots might win about 10 games or, or 9 to 10, depending on what kind of talent they put around the next season. And, and, and then only- he'll wrap it up because because you he has to know. Forget forget what we think. He has to know playing on the field, what, what how he feels and how he looks when he watches the film. It's not the same guy. Like, like to use the Kellerman line, like in between winning the Super Bowl and this season, that cliff happened. Whatever right. he lost something during the off season, he's not getting that back. He's getting you know, even when I talk about LeBron to use a, 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 an analogy. LeBron doesn't mm-hmm. look as bouncy anymore when he when he lands the ground shakes is what I say. Like it's going to look the same way for Brady. Like right? whatever bounciness he had, whatever spring mm-hmm. he had, everything looks very slow and heavy when he moves around. And as an right. athlete, slow, heavy, and, and in the NFL is getting progressively faster by the second. He's got to get out of there for his own safety. He's, well, he's, he's either one hit away. He's huh? 43. He's 43. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Yeah. It happens. All the time is undefeated, man. You know what I mean? It just, it's, it's, it's. Got to make that decision. Because I think you know that, I mean? that that big hit he's evaded many times, sliding in the pocket. Sooner but rather you, than later, he won't be able to slide anymore. He's going to get crushed. But, but you know, these guys are stubborn. You know, these guys yeah. are stubborn. And, you know, you got to, you got to help these guys from themselves. And I, and I, Tom Brady's always seen to me as a guy. He, I mean, he has that proverbial chip on his shoulder. You know, the sixth round. I mean, he's still a guy that thinks that way. He comes out on the field every game and he plays like, uh, you know, a hundred and something teams and a hundred and something picks pass me up. So he still has that in his mindset. So I, I think he's a guy that you're going to basically have to talk out of him, talk, you know, basically save him from himself. But I, I agree with you. The only thing with the Belichick thing is like, I, I think, I think next year will be the final year for both of them. I do see Belichick coming okay. because also with Belichick, like we're, where are you going? I know, and I and I, your your brethren, the giant fans, are have this delusion that he's going to come in, ride in into Giant Stadium, like the night, and, like the, the like the shining knight on a horse, and save the Giants from themselves. I, I don't necessarily see that happening. I don't care how close he is to the Mara family. Why, if you're Bill Belichick, why would you go to the Giants at this point? Like, why? First of all, the Giants are nowhere near competing. So even if Belichick. By some by some miracle takes the Giants job next year. Are you telling me right now that the Giants are close to winning ten games? Nope. Now I know it's the NFL and and it's a year to year league, but can you honestly tell me right now that you could see the Giants winning ten games next year? I, I don't see it. So yeah. who, that's, where, that's, where, that's not even a that's not even a fair question. <laughs> well, I mean, what all I'm saying is that, man. It's a loaded question, yes. But all I am saying is, is that I don't see that clear cut. Forget it. Cowboy fans, forget it. He's not going to the Cowboys. There's no way now right. that he is going to go work under Jerry Jones. Forget that. 
Bill Belichick okay. is going to leave a, a situation where he's got total control to go work for that idiot Jerry Jones? No, he's not. It's not happening. Ouch. So, so the Cowboys out of here. No, um, I mean, I, I think Belichick's situation is a little bit easier because I think that as soon as he becomes a free agent, I think you'll have twenty-five teams lined up to try to sign. Like, I, you will see teams fire their own coaches to try to get Bill Belichick. Like, that's where we're at. Damn. So, I think his situation is a little bit easier than, let's say, a Brady. But, I mean, even Bill Belichick, I mean, there's no home run situation out there that you can honestly say right now, yep, close your eyes, yep, that's the team. You know, the Giants, obviously, because he has ties to that organization. But other than that, I mean, I really don't see. I don't think think any team outside of maybe the Jets should be anti-Belichick. You know what I mean? Because he didn't want want to deal with your your bogus franchise. So – if you're a Jet fan, you don't want to deal with that. Unnecessary, unnecessary shot, but okay. It's, it's always necessary. Okay. But it, all the other teams in the NFL, if Belichick wants to come, you got to consider it, you know, to your, to your Giants question. I mean, as currently constituted, that team is sorry. I, I think I told you ahead of the season, I didn't care about this season. This team is bad. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you, have, you have some draft capital. You have some cap room. This is not going to be the same team as next year. Uh, da- da- Daniel Jones is the quarterback. He, he, you know, hopefully he gets better. <laughs> yeah. he, can't, he can't hurt being coached by Belichick. Let Giants fans dream, man. You talk about me being a fool. Damn. Let the, let the Giants dream a little bit. Look, I, I, look, I, I get why the Giants fans are, are feeling that way, of course. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, it's like when Knicks fans were teasing themselves for decades that Phil Jackson was going to come in and coach the Knicks. Like, of course, of course you can believe that. Of course, if you're a fan, you should think that. I'm just, I'm just saying, okay. look at it from a logical perspective. Like, if you're Bill Belichick, why would you go to the Giants other than money and ties to that organization? And those are strong the ties now. Yeah, I mean, the talent, the talent is not there, but let's not talk about the Giants that they the Jets, bro. Like, the Giants is still a, a, a valued job. Stop. Stop. No, I get that. I get that. If the Giants call you, you're going to answer the phone. I mean, the Giants are one of those no, you know, five I, I hear, or six I hear the jobs. That, in your tone, Manny. I I'm not it. trying to you know be, listen, listen, I'm not trying to go. I'm not trying to come at this from a, from a snarky Jets fan perspective. Because oh, look, oh, I, I, have, I have, listen, I have no room to talk. We're coached by Adam Gase. Trust me. I, I'll take you as our coach right now. So, so trust me, I'm not, trying to be, I'm not trying to be snarky in any way. But what I'm saying is, is that you've got to look at this completely unbiased, completely objectively and say, if yeah. you're the Giants, why would you pick, why would you want to, why would you want that job? You know, but hey, I, mean, I don't know any. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I why understand. Not? I understand. I, I, I totally get it. I understand why, why Giant fans believe that way. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the Patriots thing is going to be interesting. I, I don't think it's this like this this juicy story that everybody's going to make it out to be because at the end of the day, I don't think we learned much of anything next year last uh, last night. Like, I think I think he's going to be back with the Patriots, and I think both I think both of them are going to be back. I think Robert Kraft's going to be the adult in the room. I think he's going to sit everybody down, and I think everybody's mm-hmm. going to sit and come to their senses and be like, guys, 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 we did win eleven games this year. If we have a a competent receiver. At any point this season, we probably at, at, at least are getting to an AFC championship game. So let's let's not get overboard. Let's not lose sight of ourselves right now. I think that's what I think. The, I think I think Kraft will be the adult. Maybe. That's what I think. We'll see. That's what I think. I think. Yeah, 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 they did win eleven games, but they lost like what six of their last week or something crazy like that. So 
It's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I get it. I get it. And what about the Saints? What's uh, what's your uh, what's your take on the Saints losing today to the Vikings? Um, it, it just seems like the Saints lose the same way every year. Every year, coming as yeah. a better team, getting a game that's unnecessarily close, and then they just can't finish late because they had every intention. They had every. They had all the business in the world of of finishing that game and winning twenty four to twenty. Yet somehow Drew Brees fumbles the ball at the worst possible time. Much like the, the year before that, where he threw a pick in overtime, I believe it was, against the Rams. So he just has poorly timed mistakes, and I'm a Drew Brees guy to the maximum. Him and his franchise, they they just played the worst possible games in the postseason at the worst possible time, and it doesn't matter where they play. It's going to be a gut punch of a loss. And there's no real, there's no real analysis there. They played a really good team, and they simply didn't get it done once again. They are the quintessential also ran. Like when, when we're in our 60s or whatever, we look back on this era. They're just going to be a team that snuck a championship in and and was an also ran all those other years with some close moments, close but no cigar moments. That's just what it is. You know, I'm getting tired of the Saints, man. Honestly, I, I'm yeah. really getting tired of the Saints, and I'm getting tired specifically of Drew Brees. Now, let me preface this. I love Drew Brees. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he should have made the, the NFL 100 top 10 quarterbacks list. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Sammy Ball over Drew Brees. I mean, in all due respect to Sammy Ball, but come on now. Like, like, let's be serious. Um, that being said, you know what? It's about time that Drew Brees gets some, some criticism. All right, this is a guy now that for two straight years has been outplayed by Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins yep. at home in his building. And if you really want to be spicy, Taysom Hill was the best quarterback the Saints had this year, t- today. Ouch. If you really want to be honest, Taysom Hill was the best. I mean, he got him back in that game. Single-handedly got him back in that game. I, like, I'm tired of this already. Like, this is a guy now that's had, in his building, two straight years, a chance to advance in the playoffs, and he's come up small. Now, it hasn't been all of his fault. It hasn't been. But he is Drew Brees. He's the Hall of Famer. He's the top 10 quarterback of all time. Holds all the passing records. You know what? Beat the Vikings at home. Beat the Vikings at home. Yeah. Get it done. Like, I'm, I'm just tired. And then, and then of course, you got to hear Saints fans. Oh, that was a push-off. Or, oh, you know, this and that. Or, oh, Marcus Williams. I mean, every year is something, something. You know, this is what I tell Saints fans. Stop spending the offseason crying. Your team spit the bit again. Again, when it mattered most. Where was your quarterback? Where was your all-time great quarterback when they needed him? Where was he? He didn't get it done. He did not get it done. So, again, before St. fans start crying to the media and crying to everybody that will listen on social media and on radio shows across America, oh, the Saints get screwed again by a finish. Because I've already seen it. I've already seen it. What? It's been, what, an hour since the game finished? And I've already seen I'm already seeing Saints fans on, on social media. You know, oh, they should have reviewed that. And I agree. I think they should have reviewed that. I mean, I, I, listen. I mean, these officials review every other goddamn play, every other goddamn scoring play. Why not review that? That being said, the call wasn't going to get overturned. We know that. But that game didn't come down to that. That game did not come down to that. Again, Sean Payton and Drew Brees, it's about time that they start getting some criticism. All right? The Saints, to me, they were the best team in the NFC. To me. To me. When I looked at all the teams in the NFC, I thought they were the best team. And again, for the second year in a row, the best team in the NFC, in my opinion, failed to live up to its potential. I mean, that's why that's what goes back to the point where we, we got to start treating them like what they are. And also, Rand, 
at this point, kind of like how we do certain NBA franchises where we know they're going to kill in the regular season all year, but we just wait for April to come. That's really what we have to do with the Saints now. Like, their regular season accolades, they, they highlight packages, the, 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 the 40 touchdowns seasons for Drew Brees, Mike Williams, and his, his record-setting receptions. You know, to me, none of it matters anymore. See us, see us in January, and that's how I'm yeah. looking at the Saints. For the rest of Drew Brees' career, and then Sean Payton, too, because I think Sean Payton, he saw, granted, he has a championship. So, and I want to preface it with that. They both do. Has, yeah, they both do. Yeah. He has a championship. But I'm starting to really get that Andy Reid vibe from him where he just does, like, he gets too cute. Even though the Saints in the playoffs don't look like the Saints in the regular season, the play calling Absolutely. gets weird. Some of the decision making gets weird. They never get, they never look like, in, in the playoff games that they lose, especially. They never look like they're in that rhythm that they're in in the regular season. Like, like he always seems like he's squeezing, he's squeezing that play sheet a little bit tighter and just doing like weird things at the worst possible time. And and they don't and they don't play the right way. And and I feel like part of it is because he gets too cute. Part of it is because he get, he psychs himself out. And 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 the part of it to me is just like, he's like Andy Reid in the playoffs. Whatever he did to work, he out he overcoaches the situation and costs his team the game. So it's like I gotta look at him. I got to look at that whole franchise sideways until they show once again in the playoffs that they're good enough to get the three or four wins necessary to be world champs. I agree with you on Andy on, uh, on Sean Payton. Um, now I think it was, I think it's a little bit different than Andy Reid. Andy Reid just gets his clock management in big moments. It's just mm-hmm. leaves a lot to be desired. I, I think Sean Payton gets too cute. I think he, I think Sean Payton is one of those dudes and we all know him in every, in every walk of life that thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and nobody can say anything mm-hmm. to him because I'm Sean Payton. I think he gets too cute. I think he gets too cute for his own, for his own good. And that, 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 that slickness and that cuteness that he, that he evokes I think is his right. worst enemy, and and I think it gets in the way, especially in these big games. And I think, you know, he's he's a guy that it just it, for whatever reason, like you said, it's just his offense just never feels like it's in sync in these big moments. It just never feels like they're at a hundred percent capability with their offense. It just always feels like their offense is discombobulated in these big spots. And part of that is Drew Brees not playing well. Part of that is Sean Payton himself coaching. I mean, it just never feels like they're they're 100% in sync. And uh, if you're Sean Payton, if you're an offensive genius, if you're if you're this offensive innovator that everybody likes to get, and I like Sean Payton. Let me preface this. I'm not dogging him or Brees. I, I'm a fan of both guys. And I'm not sitting here basically saying that, you know, take their Hall of Fame jackets. I'm, I'm not saying that either because they both do have championships. But I'm getting tired of that team falling short. I mean, they have the best roster, at least in the NFC. They have the best roster. I mean, that's a team that has Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara. I mean, get to a Super Bowl, all right? Get to a Super Bowl. And, 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 and you can't say that the defense is the problem anymore, although that defense is a little overrated at times. I still don't trust that defense all the way. That defense is better than it's been. That def- Think about it. That defense is better than the year that they won a championship. Think about that. The defense yeah. now and the defense the last couple of years, statistically, statistically now, is better than the defense that won them a championship in 2009. So now, I'm I mean, just getting think, tired of put, put, getting tired of the Saints falling short every year. I mean, long story short, they've had about four teams that were better than the teams that won the world championship and they fell short in the playoffs. So we got we gotta start looking at the, the heads of the snake. Absolutely. The, the, the consist the consistent pieces of those failures have been breathed. And Sean Payton, they haven't gotten it done. It's as simple as that. Facts. Facts. Uh, 
before we move on on the NFL playoffs, uh, any thoughts on the Dolphins Texans game? The Bills and Texans. Uh, that was a hell of a game. Um, Bills and Texans. Sorry, that, my bad. They, you, if if you want playoff football to be a certain kind of way, you want that. You want the defense. You want the loud crowd. You want the big plays on offense, and you want the clutch moment late. And we got all of that in that game. I, I feel for Buffalo. I feel for Buffalo not getting it done because they were up 16 to nothing. But them failing in the postseason seems to be apropos for their history. So when I look at the Bills, it's just like more of the same. But I, but I won't slander them too much. I'll say that if they can keep – you know, the NFL's funny with, with as far as the salary cap is. So yeah. if they can keep the defense together for one more season and bring this group back and probably get some more weapons on the outside for the quarterback, this team might have a shot to, to be right back in the postseason next year, especially if the Patriots continue to regress. Then the AFC East is open, you know. The Jets will be there. It's not me trying to like bash the Jets, but I'm just saying right now, top to bottom, the the, the Bills are right there as far as you need to be successful in the NFL. They got the quarterback, they got the defense. But you see a little more talent on the outside, and hopefully this learning experience will lead to some success next season. But for the, for the winners, shout out to Deshaun Jackson because I mean Deshaun Watson, excuse me, because that play that he that, that he made it the sack, I was already like calling a sack on that play as it happened. Two defenders. And then make a play the way he made that play for for the win, which led to the win essentially. You got to give credit where it's due. They played a, they played a rough game. They didn't play their best game. They were down multiple scores, and they fought. And if they literally fought, scratched, and clawed their way back, had a lead in the fourth, and then when they lost that lead and they went into overtime, they didn't hang their heads. The quarterback made plays, and they won the game. You got it. You got to give it up to to the Texans. Uh, typical Deshaun Watson. Um, he he just makes plays, man. The guy is phenomenal to watch. Um, he really is. Um, I, 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 there's not much on the Texas side of things. I mean, the Texans show some heart. They, took, they show some grit. I mean, being down 16 to nothing um, with their playoff history, with their playoff history, that was a huge gut check for that franchise. Um, they needed that win in the worst way, and they got it. Um, with the Bills, I, I do they have the quarterback? That's my question with the Bills. Like, do they have the quarterback? Like, Honestly, Josh Allen is the AFC version of Mitch Trubisky. Let's be real. Like, he, he, you know, he's a very frustrating player to watch because at times you see him and he's like, man, this dude, he has it. Whatever that it is, he has it. And then other times you watch him and it's just like, is this the same quarterback that we watched for two quarters? Or this is the same quarterback that we've watched for, for two drives or two plays? Like, it, it just is like... He's, he's erratic as fuck, man. And I know you. some of that is, is youth and inexperience, and, and you would think that with age and experience that will change. But I really don't think so. Like, I think he is what he is. I think he's a, he's a guy that at times he's going to wow you with, as, with his athleticism and the throws and his arm and, and, and the things that he can do athletically. But then other times he's just going to make some decisions that you're just going to be like, really? Like, really? Really? Um, and I would say he's the biggest culprit of why they lost that game. Um, you got to play better than that. I mean, he had a phenomenal first half, and in the second half, he just completely disappeared. I mean, he just looked like well, the moment just got too big for him. We're not we're not that saying game. that he he's he's special. Absolutely not. That that's 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 not even a question. Uh, you let you let you let Booger and uh, and Joe Tessitore tell you uh, he he's got next as far as the pantheon of great quarterbacks. First of all, first of all you said Booger, arguably the worst, the worst color commentator. In NFL history, as for on a national level, yeah, he's up there. Yeah. He's he's terrible, and he'll and he'll be the first to tell you that. Oh, I played the game, and that's good and well. You played the game, fantastic. You suck at your current job. Um, Absolutely. 
He's not he's not special, but I kind of like his grit. I kind of like I kind of like the fact that his team plays for him. You know, I, I mean, I get caught up on certain things. You know, like he's, but it's just like the way his teammates respond to him. He's got an intangible quality. He's hard, You're right? He does. He does he, have he has good leadership qualities. I mean, the skill, the skill set, and some of the mental mistakes. You know, for rookie quarterbacks and second year guys, you you got to look at the coaching. To me, like, but whatever Buffalo's doing over there is not offensive. It's, it, they're a defensive franchise right now. Their their primary focus. Is the defense kind of like an old school approach where the defense sets the table for the offense? And your, your job offensively is to not make too many mistakes, don't muck it up, and we'll win you the game. And it almost worked. But I think going forward, that's what I'm saying. He needs more weapons, and he might need a better offensive coordinator or, or some kind of quarterback or someone in that room to, to help him perfect his craft. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I understand. I'm just saying, I, 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 it's funny to me how we're ready to discard Mitch Trubisky. Uh, and, and, I'm, and again, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying we're ready to discard Mitch Trubisky. And I'm just kind of like, has Josh Allen really shown us that much? I mean, honestly, they're to me in the same footing, realistically. Remember Mitch Trubisky won a division title and, and, and got to the playoffs last year. And, every, and, and some folks in some corners of the world, people were saying Mitch Trubisky got next. And obviously, we've seen what happened this year. Now, I'm not saying that's the same thing that's going to happen to Josh Allen next year. But I, I really – and again, this isn't snarky Jets fan. I'm just being trying to be unbiased as I can be. I know it's always going to be – it's always going to come off that way because I'm a Jet fan talking about a Bills quarterback. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be as unbiased as possible. Right now, do we know Josh Allen is a franchise quarterback, a guy that you know you can win a championship with? No. Nah. Not yet, no, not at all. But there's only that, that like you, you. That's what I'm saying. Like you can't, you can't really place that on him just, just, just yet. You, you gotta let him develop into that. Like there's, there's no, there is no second, second or third year quarterback in the league that you could just say, yeah, he's gonna do that. Like that's, that's just unfair, you know. But true, he got into the playoffs. He did his job as best as he could, and there's room for growth. That's about it. Because I mean, if that's the case, then then we need to throw the Jets quarterback away because he hasn't shown that he's changed the quality just yet. And I'm a Darnold guy, you know, but we, we can't, we can't cast those aspersions on, on guys just yet. The way the NFL is going, especially now I'm seeing this weird thing where I just don't see like, uh, uh, like the certain quarterbacks that come in and you see they're special, but mm-hmm. I feel like the coaching in the league is so weird now. It doesn't seem like they're coaching guys. Coaches are so self-aware that they're coaching for themselves more than for the players. Maybe I'm the, tripping when I say that. No, you're not. It, just, I, it, it seems a little weird to me. The, the coaching right now is the weirdest. And, and I think me and B, shout out to B, uh, Baylor, uh, we had this conversation months ago when uh, I think we did our show for, you know, preview in the NFL season. Um, I think the coaching now in the league is the worst it's been in a long time. Maybe ever. I, I, honestly, outside of Belichick, Harbaugh, Peyton, Reed, I, I like find me another great, great coach in the league. Find me another outside of those three guys, four guys at most. Who's a great coach in the league? Find me another very good coach. I mean, it, you know, Tomlin included. You know, find me another because I, I think Tomlin earned some support back that, with the with the performance he did this year. Because I mean, the fact that he had an opportunity a leader of men. to 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 get into the playoffs with Duck Hodges uh, should tell you everything you need to know about. Uh, Tomlin as a coach. Um, you know, Zimmer's a good coach. Tomlin's a good coach. But, I mean, great coaches. I mean, if you look back in the 80s, I mean, you had 
you had you had great coaches littered around the NFL. At the very least, very good coaches. Um, now it's just you don't see that, and I, I think the coaching does play a huge part. I, I'm not going to get into a huge tangent about that, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the coaching now leaves a lot to be desired. Um, but yeah, like, look, the Bills have a, a bright future. I'm just saying, I do think you have seen. I think people are still split on Josh Allen, but I think the people that support oh. Josh Allen are very loud, and they want to tell you that Josh yeah. Allen greatest things to slice bread and, and that's that's who i'm talking to specifically the, the folks that are basically oh, well, telling me that, I, that josh allen I is going to be you, i feel for you that you've had to deal with people who are championing allen like that i'm sorry for you because that, that's ridiculous <laughs> oh, that, that, no, i'm serious dude. like there's people out there that will tell you that josh allen is is got next and i'm just like well, let's let's slow down a little bit like let, let's 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 you know let's pump the brakes a little bit you know and again he's shown flashes of brilliance I, even i as a, as a bills hater i have to i have to admit that he has shown flashes of brilliance but i mean when you watch that kid play i mean even within games within quarters you just you scratch your head cuz it's the same guy that'll make a brilliant throw or a brilliant play and then two plays later would just do something absolutely stupid I mean, even for even for a rookie or for a second year quarterback, would do something stupid. So he's very erratic. He's very tough to watch sometimes. But but the Bills are interesting. We'll see. We'll see what their future holds, man. I mean, they they got pieces in place. I think uh, Singletary's turn is going to is going to be a stud at the running back position. They do need some wide receivers, um, but you know they, they 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 got they got a chance to be really good. I agree, but it's just a matter of who wants to get paid. And I guess we'll sit back in the winter time, early spring, and see. See who wants to get paid. They played above their contract. You know how NFL players get. They have a big season. Now they, now they want to hold out all of these things. If the Bills yeah. can bring them all back and add a couple of parts, that's going to be the new headache for your Jets. We'll see. We'll see. That's why they play the games. We'll see. Absolutely. We'll see. Indeed. Uh, we won't talk about the Seahawks, uh, Seahawks uh, Philly game because it's kind of going on at this moment as we're recording this. So. It's kind of dumb to make a prediction or analyze it when it's going on right now. So we'll we'll, we'll punt on that one. But uh, who did just just out of curiosity, who did you have uh, to win that game? I had the Seahawks. Okay, I, I have Philly, but not looking too good right now with the status of Carson Wentz. But maybe he'll return. <laughs> for all, you know, we'll see. But uh, uh, we'll see. Um, let's move on, man. Uh, we are in a in a new decade, new year, as we talked about at the beginning. Uh, let's start with just recapping 2019 uh, as a whole. This isn't just sports, but just as a whole. Um, what's the one thing you remember about 2019? Well, a couple things you remember about 2019. Hmm. I don't know. I, I didn't feel like 2019 was like the most remarkable year, to be honest. I guess for me, mm-hmm. on the personal side, it'd be like, you know, buying a new home and getting married. But like culturally, like this this year was almost like a layover on a flight. It was, it was more of the same. Forty five is still the president, you know. Sports, mm-hmm. Golden State didn't get it done. KD left, but we, we they kind of the way the NBA gets reported, they kind of ruined that because we saw it coming a mile away. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I like like even like Star Wars. We we spoke about that briefly in the, at the top of the show. Like I could, we all kind of knew what was going to happen because they they was the the story got leaked months we'll, in advance. We'll get into it. We'll so, get into it. So like as a as a as a whole, beyond the personal stuff, like culturally, like this this wasn't much of a year to remember. Uh yeah, I mean to a point. Yeah, I mean I guess if you're looking at it from a sports standpoint, um, 
I, I can't name one thing specifically sports-wise that I'll remember this year that wasn't like that. I mean, there were big stories, obviously, but there, I, there wasn't that one thing that would reverberate, you know, years and years and years in advance. And sometimes those things are tricky because not every year has those. Um, so I can't necessarily think mm-hmm. of one thing. I guess if you, I guess if I you gun to my head, if I had to pick one, I, I guess pop probably just uh, NBA free agency, just the madness of that. And you know, just the, the, the con- I mean, if I had to just pick one thing, I mean, I guess I would just pick that um, for this year. Um, I, honestly, I can't think of anything else from a sports standpoint. You can't think of anything else. I mean, you look at the sports, NBA, I mean, uh, Major League Baseball, nothing really. Um, you know, football, Patriots won a Super Bowl. Uh, nothing really outside of that. Um, the Kaepernick thing is still ongoing for better or for worse. Um, golf, nothing really. I know Tiger won a, his first major in a long time. I guess that, that'd be one of the things that you look at. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I don't think for me, from, from a sports perspective, I don't think there's much there. Um, and as far as just culturally, just kind of pop culture wise, um, I think the, I think there's a couple things, um, the Nipsey Hustle passing. I think that's something that I think a lot of people will remember. Ah, yeah, that. yeah. And it's 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 one of those sad things that I think I think a lot of people will remember. Unfortunately, um, Nipsey Hustle uh, passing away, you know, untimely passing. And then uh, pop culture wise, I mean, other than that, I mean, I think uh, hmm, Endgame. Yeah. It's just I, a, I, just I, a, I thought Endgame was kind of Reggie, but you know. If you, if you I just I, I, I would say Endgame as far as the culmination of a, a 22 yeah. movie Odyssey, basically, just just kind of the, the historic nature of that. I mean, we've never seen anything like that in film history. 22 movie saga basically culminate the way that it did, something that a lot of people, myself included, thought that we would never see um, to see that put on film. Not not talking about Endgame itself. Um, but just that culmination of that story. I mean, that was a pop culture thing. I mean, that was something that, I mean, people, you know, obviously talking about Thanos and the finger snap and all the memes. I mean, that was, that was something I think you can look back on, um, favorably. From that that perspective, I'll say, I'll say that a bigger deal than Endgame was the, the Fox, and, and Disney deal because now it opened the door yeah, for yeah. Uh, X-Men and, and Deadpool. I, now that you're, uh-huh. see, you're helping me out here. That was a bigger deal to me than anything else because now we're really going to get Marvel stories the way they're meant to be told because they have everybody now. True, true, true. Yeah, no, I mean, I, there's some things that I think should be bigger stories that weren't bigger stories um, from a political standpoint. Obviously, the impeachment thing with Trump, uh, it, it feels like it should be bigger, but it isn't, unfortunately, just because, I mean, this dude is basically getting impeached for like the eighth worst offense that he's done in offense. <laughs> so so that's what makes it kind of that's what takes a lot of the luster out of it. Plus, we all know that we all know that he's not getting uh, he's not getting convicted. So it, it kind of takes a lot of steam out of the 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 process. Um mm-hmm. I think one story that I don't I, I sadly isn't getting a lot of traction. I think it should be um, is the. The Afghanistan papers, the Afghanistan war papers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's something that's not getting enough attention. Um, if you don't know, look it up. Basically, the Washington Post today, and I bet a few weeks ago, basically talking to uh, officials that have been working in Afghanistan for the last 19 years, essentially, and saying that the war has been a sham. It's been a waste of time. It's, it's yeah. been a waste of money and lives and 
the U.S. government and foreign affairs have basically don't know what the fuck they're doing, which is no surprise. I mean, this is it's history repeating itself. The Vietnam Papers, you know, 40 years ago and, and history repeating itself now with Afghanistan. Um, I think that's something that should get a lot more attention than it, than it has gotten. Um, but yeah, I mean, culturally, though, I mean, I, Nipsey Hussle, um, I guess if you want to say R. Kelly, just R. Kelly. Not that it, not if you follow the culture, everybody knew R. Kelly was a weirdo, but I think I think the masses like finally were exposed to R. Kelly being a weirdo. I think that documentary played a huge role, sadly, um, because you know him marrying a fourteen year old back in nineteen ninety four wasn't a red flag. It took a documentary, you know, almost twenty years later, twenty five years later, to to really show people that he was a fucking weirdo. Um, but yeah. Yeah, culturally, I think you can pick a lot of different things. Uh, sports, not much. News-wise, I think there should be something, some things that were bigger than aren't, obviously. Um, and then pop culture-wise, yeah, I mean, you can pick a couple things. So, yeah, 2019. Yeah, I guess for me, I guess I'm such a cynic that it's like a lot of things that made news was like, come on. You know what I mean? Like, we already yeah. know what it is here. So, for me, it was more of a shoulder shrug. Like, like nothing, nothing transformative, in my opinion, outside of the Nipsey thing, which I'm upset. Because I guess the Nipsey thing is more sad. For me, yeah, it's more sad than anything else, huh? You get what I mean? Like the Nipsey mm-hmm. thing was the thing to me that that hurt the most, more than anything else, because like you you saw the you saw the growth, you saw the leveling up as it happened. Like like he named his album Victory Lap, and then he was taking that Victory Lap. Like he his work was starting to come into fruition, and then for him to be taken away in the streets of L.A. That sucks, right? Period. Right. Uh, I guess an opposite of that, Six Nine. Do you think that will have much reverberation? Mm-hmm. We've talked about this on the podcast before, um, so yeah. not, to, not to get too in-depth of that, but do you think the 6 9 thing and the snitching, and, and will, will that have long-lasting effects into the next decade? Do you think so? Um, well, like I said, it all depends on how his peers handle it. Like, like you, you've said, I've said it, it's a matter of when he comes home, will we'll, we'll, Will these kids now do do the run around with people for clout and then throw them under the bus when it benefits them, or will will the culture reject him thoroughly? I, I think the I think this is going to be a demographical discussion because I know like the older cats like they've washed their hands with six nine at least publicly, but mm-hmm. will the teenage crowd, will the early twenty crowd, will they will they embrace him when he comes home? To me, that's the that's a situation where we can only speculate right now. So I'd like I'm curious to see what his cultural impact would be because I think it's pending. I agree. Uh, I honestly I I think I I think that uh, I think that his his peers will reject him. I think the fans won't though. His fan base is gonna love. Him. I think his fan base gets a kick out of him. I think his fan base doesn't care. Honestly, I don't think they're they're driven by the same I guess code of honor or street code, whatever you want to call it. That. Um, maybe guys like us or guys before us would have been driven by fan base wise. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be interesting. I think that's the one thing I think we'll, could have an opportunity to, to transcend to 2019 is just six, nine and, and what that means for the culture of hip hop, you know, and what he means for the culture of hip hop. Mm. I, I think that's one thing that could, could reverberate. Um, what about the decade itself, man? I mean, anything sports-wise, you know, pop culture-wise that stuck out this decade? What's the one thing that you'll remember the 2010s well, for? I mean, the decade sports-wise will have to be watching Golden State perfect basketball. Like, but how will you feel about them? There's a lot of guys who get in their feelings 
get mad emotional about the Warriors for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, they beat their favorite team or they beat their favorite player or they felt like certain guys get overrated. If you go all over the internet, it's a lot of feelings about the Gold State Warriors that's attached to it, whether it's Steph, whether it's Draymond, Clay, whatever. Certain guys get too much adulation. Certain guys didn't show up in certain moments, whatever the case may be. They want KD joining them, of course. <laughs> the fact remains is they won three championships. The two, the two finals that they did lose, they, their best player at the time was hurt. These are the facts. You could get mad if you want, but these are the facts. And they played basketball like if if you were a computer simulation of what basketball should be at the highest level it was the Golden State Warriors I, I and I'm I already said what I said about them like they they're the greatest team of all time I'll put them up against anybody Jordan and Pippen Shaq and Kobe period I don't care if you disagree this is not a matter of us arguing about it not you but the people to me those four dudes put them in any era against any squad they're gonna demolish them that's the best team ever. Perfection of basketball. On the football side, got to be Tom Brady and them. Every time you thought they were dead, they were like the roach you couldn't kill. Every time we, but every time we've had this conversation about a dead dynasty in years past, they circle back. To me, that that the Seahawks Super Bowl is one of my favorite, most cinematic Super Bowls of all time. Because you, you saw, to me, that was Tom Brady at his greatest. Not even the, the Atlanta Super Bowl, but going mm-hmm. against a force of nature like Seattle. And, and being down, how they were down for most of Seattle controlled that game, if you remember correctly. And in Absolutely, the fourth yeah. quarter, who drives? Got and got it done. Got it done. Interception aside, against that, that defense could not. Yeah. That great defense could not stop Tom Brady and Julian Edelman. Not even Gronk so much. They couldn't do nothing with Tom Brady and Julian Edelman. That's when I stopped. That's, all my bad words about the Patriots stopped in that moment. On the popular side of the thing, seeing the culture, the, the shift. You know, from from Obama's presidency, and, and and the reaction from a certain segment of America to Obama being president, which was a direct correlation to Trump becoming president. Seeing that firsthand, crazy. You know, because yeah. it's like if you're a black person, you know what it is in America. You know, we're not gonna get into that. I, I know your show is not for that, right? But you know what it is. But to see Trump and how people rose up after Obama got up out of there shows you if you had any doubts or any questions about America in 2016 you got every answer you ever needed and it's up to you to move accordingly and then of course musically I felt like hip-hop this last decade was just the most divisive because you had the people of the the two golden eras become parents become like 40 year olds 30 year olds and completely reject what trap became and that was interesting for me to look at because it was like you are becoming your parents and you you refuse to admit it your rejection of trap is the same way our parents rejected hip hop in his infancy and in his adolescence. So it was, it was cool to see. It, to me, like the last the last ten years was across the board the most divisive ever. And with the, with the internet being peak social media era, you got to have so many opinions from so many people about the divisiveness of our culture as a whole of of, of Americana. I mean, great summary, man. I, I, I really agree with a lot of the things you said. Um, I, I, you you, you kind of hit the nail on the head on a lot of different things there. Um, I think for me, um, for, from a sports perspective, I'll tie all four sports together. I think politics and sports, um, the intersectionality of those two um, things, I think is the thing that I'll remember the most from this decade. Um, you know, obviously with the hoodies and hands up, don't shoot. And, you know, I can't breathe and all that. It's Trayvon Martin to Colin Kaepernick's 
kneeling. I think this was the first decade really since the 1960s. And I would say that this, this decade really, uh, you know, uh, outdid the sixties as far as just the political, I mean, obviously the sixties were probably a greater impact, obviously, because you had the civil rights, but I think this decade, as far as just from all sports, really between the kneeling, between athletes, I, I think, I think in the sixties, it was still seen as athletes taking a stand on political things was still looked at as taboo. Now, if you're an athlete, you almost have to have an opinion on politics. I mean, if you don't, you're, you're almost, I mean, people kind of look at you sideways on both sides, really. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that you're seeing that shift now where I think the baby boomers were, you know, that they just kind of wanted their athletes to just shut up and play to millennials and Gen Zers saying like, no, nah, we want more substance to our athletes than just playing. Like you hold that position, you hold that title for better or for worse, whether you like it or not, you are a role model to a lot of people. And you do hold a prominent position that you should use your prominent position to speak on issues in your community, whether you agree with that or not. There's a lot of people that feel that way. Um, so I think you this is the first decade where you've seen that real shift happen. I mean, to the point where you even have Michael Jordan having to take a stand on different things. You know, he's the guy that infamously just, you know, I mean, we all know the Michael Jordan quote, Republicans buy sneakers, too. I mean, even Michael Jordan right. had to put out an op ed basically, you know. Uh, you know, condemning things going on in America, you know, and African-Americans and stuff like that. So, look, I mean, I think that's the thing that I will remember the most is the intersectionality between sports and politics coming to a full force this year. I mean, you even got shows on national television that, you know, that purposely tackle politics and sports. I mean, whether you like Jason Whitlock or not, I mean, that's become part of a shtick. I mean, you would have never seen that just even 20 years ago, you know, 10 years ago in the 2000s, you wouldn't have seen that. So now it's becoming yeah, everyday cool. thing. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think that's the thing that I remember the most from a sports and perspective. Um, politics, the rise of Trump, man. The rise of yeah. white nationalism, the rise of American populism from a conservative standpoint. I think that's the thing that this decade will stand out to me the most. The rejection of neoliberalism, um, Obama, the white lash against Obama. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, Trump is, Trump is a whole is the general is the general thing I remember Trump's rise. Um, I think we've never seen anything like that in politics, and I think that's something that's going to reverberate for years to come, especially going into this decade. Yeah. Um, especially, especially if, you, especially if you, yeah, especially if he gets reelected. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. So I, I think that's something that will that will stick with people forever as far as this decade goes. Um, and then from a pop culture thing. Um, Social media, man. The the mm -hmm. this is, I guess this was the the peak of social media, as far as just being the the, the important for all aspects of life. I mean, everything right. that we saw in the internet, the internet basically completely take over the world. And, and I mean, we're basically on a podcast. We're we're two average Joes on a podcast talking about sports and pop culture. This was the start of that in this decade. You know, this this started in this decade. You know, yeah. This was something unimaginable in 2002. This was something that was unimaginable in 1992 or 82 or 70. You know what I mean? Like this decade and everything from meme culture to, you know, influencers and, and average Joe people becoming millionaires on YouTube to content creators. I mean, that's the thing that I remember most from the pop culture stand standpoint. It's just kind of the internet basically taking over the world or further taking over the world because you can make the argument it's been happening since the 90s. But um, this decade for sure, 
um, you saw internet and social media basically take over the world. So uh, those are the things that I will remember um, from the 2010s. I'm sure there's other things that we could break down um, culturally. Hip hop, I agree with you, the divisiveness of hip hop. I think you've seen hip hop enter its, what, what, really fourth decade, third decade technically. Um, So you're seeing a shift there demographically, culturally, stylistically, you're seeing a shift there. I think that that shift caught a lot of people off guard. And I think you're seeing some of that. Um, This decade also saw hip hop become the dominant form of music. I mean, hip hop is what rock and roll used to be. It is the number one brand in music is hip hop. You know, it's the number one genre. So yep. with that comes a lot of responsibilities for better or for worse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this, this decade was interesting, man. This, this, is a, this has been a hell of a decade, man. I think this decade will have a lot of things that will reverberate long term for a long time to come. So it's, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what this new decade brings culturally, sports wise, um, if it'll have the same kind of impact as, as the other sports. But, um, yeah, politics and sports and uh, Trump are the two main things that uh, – and you can make a case that Trump, politics, and sports—they all kind of tie together. Um, what do you think of those? No, no, no. Basically, we are we are in line with yeah, with, yeah. with everything. It's like twenty twenty in, in in the next ten years. It's gonna be interesting to see where everything goes. I, personally, I'm hoping for a mass reboot, and that's not if uh, <laughs> some of part of New York doesn't get underwater because of this global warming thing that none of us talked about. But yeah. overall, it's just. A lot, a lot of it is is self-explanatory. Like that's why we're in line with our takes uh, of the world. Social media and pop culture are kind of the same. You could say that social media is the reason why hip hop is number one. Because now instead of it being like before, like regionally, like you go on the East Coast and there'll be one thing, and then you go down south, it'll be a whole yeah. other thing. It's because of the fact that now with social media, all of our slang can be used across the board because I can see what a cat, how a cat is giving it up in, in Los Angeles. Or I'm, I'm mm-hmm. talking to you and you're, you're in the Pacific Northwest because of social media. You know, now the lingo, the swag, the energy, everything has become one ball. There is, mm-hmm. America is, is one thing now because of social media. Now white people can't, can't hide that they like black culture because of social media. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let, yeah, let's see what happens next. What, what, what's the next 10 years going to be? Like, because it's like, if, even if with Trump being president, even if you don't like a certain race, you love what you get on the internet and some of the best content creators are black people. It is what it is. So, yeah, facts. Let's see what happens. Yeah, let's see what happens, man. I think it's going to be very interesting. Uh, another thing that I don't think we talked about, neither one of us, but I think was big and I think will have lasting effects is the Me Too culture. Um, yeah, Me Too movement. Um, wherever you stand on that, I think that will have lasting impact going into the 2020s and beyond. I think the way people look at sexual assault, the way people look at the relationships between men and women in the workplace, outside of workplace, I mean, just in general, I think that will definitely have, I think a conversation was started about that. Um, that I think will have a lasting effect going forward. So that's another one that, that sticks out to me. Um, but yeah, man, you're right, man. I mean, I think it's it's crazy how remember when we were coming up, hip hop was regional. <laughs> you know, yeah. now it's national. Now it's national. I mean, there is no. I mean, yes, culturally and stylistically, styles are regional, but realistically, I mean, it's a national. It's a national genre, and it's a global. I mean, forget national. It's a global genre. It's a global genre. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, it's, it's it's amazing to see where hip hop has come just from 2010 to 2020. It, it just it's mind blowing. It, it really is. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see where this next decade and beyond goes with hip hop. As it enters now, it's it's fourth decade, really. Um, I guess we could wrap up with Star Wars, Ben. Um, me and you have been on in the minority, you know, against the entire internet, it seems like. We loved mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker. Loved. I emphasize loved Sky, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say we're in the minority because if you look at it, most of the fans love Scott, Rise of Skywalker. The, the critics didn't. So there's that split again now. Um, I have my thoughts on it that I've shared with you, but I'll share on here. Let me get your let me get your thought process on Rise of Skywalker, what you loved about it, and what you think is behind the divisiveness behind Star Wars and Disney and all that. I know it's a loaded question. I mean, when you when you really sum it up, like I love the movie because it's the best possible outcome if they wanted to give you that two hour and 20 minute movie that they did give us, it was mm-hmm. the best possible outcome you could have for a movie of that length with the amount of things that they had to cover. It was, it was well paced. Um, it was, a, it was an easy story to digest as far as the, the, the top level narrative of what, what, what it was supposed to be. It did what it was supposed to do. Um, Kylo, got to shine because a lot of people felt like Kylo didn't get to get his just due. I felt like this was his best work character wise, as far as what they had to work with, as far as him not looking like a, a weak force user, et cetera. Ray, Ray had some peril for a change as opposed to being John Cena and winning all the time. <laughs> she, she, had, she had to like, she had to fight through some things. You got to see your favorite characters in, in, in situations that made more sense to what their character arc was as opposed to what we saw in the last movie. So from that perspective, put it this way. If you're a Star Wars nerd, like full-on nerd, you're not going to like this movie. If you're a casual moviegoer who enjoys Star Wars, you love the movie. And that's what it was. As a casual moviegoer, this was a great popcorn movie. You, you, you got what you got. You were never bored. It, the two hours, when you, when you were checking in time and realized that so much time had passed by, it didn't feel like it was a two-hour, 20-minute movie. So to me, they did they did the best they could do under the circumstances. That's interesting what you brought up there at the end, that if you're a Star Wars fan, you're not going to love this movie. And I completely disagree with that. I, I think that there's a split in the Star Wars community. I think that if you're the hardcore Star Wars nerd like I am, I love this movie. And I and I know a lot of people that love this movie. Now, I know a lot of Star Wars nerds that don't I love don't this know, movie. I don't know if you're a Star Wars nerd, bro. I, nah, nah, okay. right. nah. We're, 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 We'll agree to disagree. I don't think um, so. I I I view myself as a Star Wars nerd. We can we can agree to disagree, but whatever. Um, I I love this movie. I thought it told a good enough story. Look, was everything perfect about it? No. I do think that it has some weak points in it. I do. I don't like what they did with Finn. I think that the whole trilogy wasted Finn and Poe for that matter. Like I don't think you saw character arcs with them that I would have loved to have seen throughout. Um, yeah, I do think Palpatine was kind of shoehorned there, but but all the criticisms that you have of this movie is because of Last Jedi. Like Last, like people don't under, like even the people that like. And I, for one, I liked Last Jedi. I agree, and I know why people don't like it. And every time I watch Last Jedi more and more, I like it even less. But as a movie, Last Jedi was a f- perfectly made movie. It had flaws. It had problems because, especially, it, it's like it's like you're trying to follow a trilogy, and the second chapter in a trilogy is very important. I, arguably, is the most important chapter of the trilogy. 
because it's 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 the meat, it's the depth to the story. It's easy to write a beginning and an end, but it's that middle part of a par- of an essay. The, that is yeah, but the last that's the middle part and that's the meat of the story. That movie was a complete waste of time. No, no, I, I, I get, I get, that's what, that's what I'm getting to, John. Though that's what that's what I'm saying. Like as a like if 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 Last Jedi was a standalone movie, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But right. when it's part two of a three story arc. That's the problem. That movie did nothing to advance the story. It only convoluted the story. And what you set up in and this and this I I totally blame Kathleen Kennedy. I blame Disney for. Because to me, why would you bring in J.J. Abrams to pen the beginning chapter and then bring in somebody like Ryan Johnson, who is a completely different director than than J.J. Abrams? And it's not like he has an association to 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 J.J. Abrams. It's not like this is a George Lucas and then you're bringing in Lauren Kasdan to write and Irvin Kirshner to direct and whatnot. Like these are all guys that are associated. They they, they have dinner. They have a, a common view of what the story should be. No, Ryan Johnson is his own guy. J.J. Abrams is his own guy. Whatever you think of their filmmaking and their movies, they're their own guys. And if I'm Ryan Johnson, I'm going to make my own movie. I'm not going to follow J.J. Abrams, whether you agree with it or not. That's his, that's his philosophy, as he should be. But that's the problem. When you bring in a Ryan Johnson and you say, okay, pen the second chapter, arguably the most important chapter of the trilogy, the meat of the story, and that's the end result, that's the product, that's the problem. And I think a lot of people who don't like Rise of Skywalker, their their main crux of their argument is, oh, well, it just it was it felt like it was two movies into one movie. Well, no shit, Sherlock, because didn't shit happen in Last Jedi. So a lot of the things that they yeah. probably would have set up in part two, they had to shoehorn into part three. Like had had Last Jedi been done right, you would have seen at least teases or hints at Palpatine being alive. Or Last Jedi would have ended with Palpatine being alive. And you would have had that cliffhanger. You would have had a more concrete story in Last Jedi so that in this movie, you wouldn't have spent so many time, so much time you know, covering bases. And, you know, a lot of people had a problem with the MacGuffin storylines where we got to get this to unlock this, to unlock that. And I agree with you. That isn't ideal of a way to tell a story, especially a final story in a saga, arguably. But again, that's also a direct result of Last Jedi. They had to shoehorn all these things in there because you have a middle part of the movie that essentially does nothing. Does nothing. So yeah. I think that if you're criticizing this movie, you got to look at yourself in the mirror because if you love Last Jedi, and I think that's the biggest divide. I think the people that love Last Jedi hate this movie, just like the people that hated Last Jedi, all in all, are going to love this movie. So I, I, I just, if you're criticizing this movie because of X, Y, and Z and the things that they did, you got to look at Last Jedi as the culprit. I don't think you can look at this movie. And I think that J.J. made the best out of a bad situation. Like, I honestly had no expectations coming into this movie. Like, I had no expectations. I didn't know how they were going to pull it off. I didn't know how J.J. was going to correct a lot of the things that happened in Last Jedi. But I think with everything that he had to deal with, I think he did a good job. I really do. And this idea that Palpatine being alive doesn't make sense, that's BS. First of all, it's Star Wars. I mean... You, I mean, honestly, do you need a scientific, <laughs> a scientific explanation of why Palpatine is alive? I mean, there's there's other shit in Star Wars that we can poke holes at. Well, and that goes back to, to your point. That goes back to your point about using, using 
two different visions to tell one cohesive story. You can't, you can't kill off Snoke the way you killed off Snoke mm-hmm. after establishing Snoke as an extremely big bad of a burgeoning trilogy. And I won't spend too much time on it because we both agree that when you really sum it all up, it was the longest movie of the trilogy, but it was the most movie about nothing of the trilogy. Because when you think about the fact that The Force Awakens, even if it was a retread of A New Hope, right? It still laid out a a, a, a menu, so to speak, right? It it, it set the table, to use a baseball term. A good story, good characters introduced, yeah. Right, for you to follow up. Because really and truly, in episode eight, we should have found out Ray was a Palpatine then and there. That would have been the big twist Mm -hmm. in the second movie. Luke Skywalker should have had his moment. You don't make people wait 30 years plus to see Luke for him to be a brooding old bozo, which he was in The Last Jedi. Even if you want to say, story-wise, it makes all the sense because he lost his nephew and the dark side got him and all of that. Quite frankly, if I want to go on a slight bit of a tangent, the entire Kylo arc makes no sense because Anakin Skywalker should have told him it was bullshit from the rip. He's a force ghost. He should have been right there. Hey, whatever you're hearing in your head, it ain't go like that. You know? And and his story arc is complete right there. Where's Anakin? So to me, a lot a lot of a lot of the story beats, if I get really into it, of the sequel trilogy is based on the fallacy that a force ghost could have fixed within seconds. You get what I mean? But if you're gonna stay on track, right? If you're gonna stay on track, you don't kill Snoke. Palpatine could have just been a ghost in a, a, a Sith race or whatever you want to call it. Like, he could have been that. To me, Snoke is supposed to finish it through. Why? Because there was one scene in The Last Jedi that grinds my gears every time. I forget the character's name right now, but he's talking to Sonny. It, it, was, it was his lieutenant who was, like, the number two next to Kylo. He's oh, on uh, the screen, right? Oh, um, what's his face? Yeah, um, Thomas Gleason's character. Um, yeah. Uh, fuck. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember his name right now. It doesn't now. matter. He's on the screen, right? Across the galaxy. He's telling Snoke that they failed. Snoke uses the force from across the galaxy to lift this man's body and squeeze some of the life out of him, right? Mm-hmm. Yet in the scene where he dies, he doesn't feel the lightsaber right next to him moving? What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, what I, the I, hell I, is that, Manny? I, I wasn't high on Snoke because I feel like anything that Snoke would have done would have just been like a carbon copy of Palpatine. Like, I think people would have looked at Snoke as Palpatine anyway. So why not just it, bring the real thing back? I, I get what you're true. saying. I get, Like, it frustrated me the way that they killed off Palpatine. Like, you don't set up a character of that magnitude to then just have him die in the most... Ad- like, had he died at the end of Last Jedi... Like that's one thing, but to die basically in the middle of the movie, bro. Like, and then you think about yeah, it. You you think about it because I'm griping now. You've got me there. You bring back Luke Skywalker for the Force Awakens for one scene, right? You make him a crusty old bozo in 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 a follow up scene and in in, in in a follow up movie. Excuse me, right? And then he dies. Because he used too much of the force to project himself across the galaxy. <laughs> so essentially, essentially, physically, 
in the living plane, Luke Skywalker did absolutely nothing in the Last Jedi. Nothing. True. Even even Ray's even Ray's visions that we got. If you think about payoffs, if there's one gripe that I have about the entire trilogy, there's so many things that never got paid off because the Last Jedi was two hours and thirty plus minutes of nothing. Like that whole scene, I know your eyes. I've seen your eyes, right? Where was Mas Kanata in the third movie? Where was she? Yeah. What was the point I, of that scene? What was the point of the Skywalker lightsaber calling out to Ray? If we really, if we, if we go with bare bones, a lot of the sequel trilogy was made pointless because of the Last Jedi deciding. Because and a part of me felt like Ryan Ryan Johnson knew what we wanted. And for some reason or the other, it felt like he just wanted to do something else and partially troll us. It felt like I got it, it, it was a vanity. It was a vanity project. It was Ryan Johnson finally having this opportunity to be a Star Wars nerd. And I, and I don't doubt that Ryan Johnson is a Star Wars fan. I'm not saying that. But it was a vanity project. It was, it was funny because everybody says, you know, one of the critiques of this film is like, oh, it just felt like it was a, a Star Wars fan fiction come to life. Last Jedi was Star Wars fan fiction come to life. And you know what grits my teeth about filmmakers now? Like people always say like, oh, well, he subverted expectations. So that's what makes it genius. No, like subverting it, just because you subvert expectations doesn't make it genius. Just because I think it's going to happen one way and then you troll me and it doesn't happen this way. Like if that, no. if that was one time, it'd be one thing. But when it's, a, when it's two hours of just constant subversion of expectation, then yeah, I'm going to be a little upset. Like now you're trolling me. That's not genius. That's just trolling. That's my Listen, point. Yeah. The, the, it, it, you don't subvert. You know what? He could have, he could have, he could have, he could have subverted, right? Mm-hmm. If he did episode seven. Because exactly. it's episode eight and, and something has already been established, right? You failed. And that's, that's the long and short of it. That is the yeah. long and short of it. It's, it's nothing more I really need to say on that. He ruined what the sequel trilogy could be. And, and honestly, I don't, I don't know why, if I was J.J. Abrams, he should have just went all in. Let the movie be two hours and 40 minutes. Give us the extra 20. Clean up everything. Honestly, what they should have done is not made this a trilogy. I, I think that once Last Jedi was what it was, I think they should have did the, the Endgame route. They should have did the Infinity War route. They should have did the, 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 uh, the last Harry Potter route. Make it a one film, two parts. Like I think that this episode nine should have been episode nine, episode 10. I think you make it a quadrilogy. Because at that point, the damage is done. Now you're trying to shoehorn things into one final movie, and it's not gonna, it's going to be choppy. And it's going to be choppy. I mean, even even a, a brilliant filmmaker is going to be choppy. Like uh, you could you could basically put Christopher Nolan in this shit, and Christopher it, Christopher Nolan would have had a tough time trying to tie all these loose ends together. So to me, I think you make it a part two and tie up all the loose ends. And you're right. So many so much of things that were set up in Force Awakens were completely wasted. Like like to me, my nigga Finn was completely ruined and wasted in the entire trilogy. Like his like Finn's story arc should have been major. Obviously, he was force sensitive. Obviously, they were setting up a love interest between him and Ray that completely went nowhere. That could, I mean, he basically got friend zoned without knowing it. Um, but then it's like, but then it's like, okay, and that's the thing that confused me. It, it, it that's the confusing part because it sure seems like in episode seven and nine, there was a lot more there between Ray and Finn than yes. just friends. 
Exactly. Episode eight seems to shoehorn in this Kylo and Ray relationship. Exactly. That never could be because no, right? So I don't she, understand. She's supposed to hate it's, Kylo it's, Ren because she killed because she killed uh, she killed Han. She watched Han be murdered by his own son. So so by then, by definition, she's supposed to hate Kylo Ren. So then if, then you're telling me that she's secretly in love with this man? Like I I don't yeah I, yeah I don't I don't know man that. That really pissed me off. The fact that you're 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 setting up a love like Finn and Ray was supposed to be the love. They were supposed to be the Han and Leia of this trilogy, and they completely blew that shit up. Um, and even in this, and even in this movie, you know, Ray, I got something to tell you. And I know J.J. Abrams has come out on record and say, you know, what he was going to tell her was that he was force sensitive, which is complete bullshit because that makes no sense. That's not something you tell somebody when you're facing death. Hey, Ray, by the way, we're about to get sucked up by quicksand, but I'm force sensitive. Uh, okay. Well, again, it goes back yeah. to the Last Jedi. They took the story. It, it was obvious that Ray and Finn was supposed to be a thing. It's obvious. It's obvious. He didn't want that Asian girl. He he wanted Ray. Okay, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, oh, but overall, I know we we've gotten into our gripes. Overall, I think Rise of Skywalker did did the best that it could to fix a bad situation. Again, was it the perfect movie? Was it was it Empire Strikes Back? Was it A New Hope? Was it you know? And those are the, and those are the other two. Like, was it Rogue One as far as just a, a film, a cohesive story from beginning to end? No, but I, for what I wanted, I got what I wanted. It fixed a lot of the issues that Last Jedi had, um, and I wish that I wish that we would have gotten another film so that this film could have even been paced a, a lot better. You wouldn't have had to shoehorn so many ounces, so many beats. It did. Like it does become a lot at some points in this movie, but yeah, but that's a, but that's a direct correlation and a direct result of last Jedi being what it was. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. So, um, I'm 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 not as completely dour on Star Wars because I I do think the Mandalorian has upside, obviously, and I I I do think that Star Wars has some good things coming up. Hopefully, we'll see what they do with another trilogy that they're going to eventually start. I think Ryan Johnson's done with the franchise. I think the, the the blowback that he got was nuclear, so I don't think you're ever going to see that that Ryan Johnson promised trilogy. And that was another thing too. Like so, this so Last Jedi was basically a trial was basically like the teaser, a mixtape, a warm-up to his trilogy. So he, he never even had intentions of closing this trilogy. He was basically setting up his trilogy. That may never just, happen anymore. Just, 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 imagine, just, imagine, just think about that for a second. He didn't even care about tying this story up and making it cohesive. He was just giving you snippets of what his story would have looked like. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, man. But that's that's Rise of Skywalker, and I know we could have gotten way more in depth with it. But obviously, we're not going to say anything that you haven't already heard from all the reviews and everything. It's been two and a half, three weeks since the movie came out, so yeah, we're kind of just basically giving you our thoughts on it. Um, we both had strong feelings on there, but but yeah, man. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here, man? No, I'm clear, bro. Oh, real quick, who's going to be your next coach? Uh, for the for the Giants? Yeah. I got nothing, bro. I don't know. I'd like it to be Eric the enemy because I want a black man to coach the Giants, but it seems like the Giants don't even know who they want. They're just bringing in a bunch Matt, of guys. And they Matt Rule, baby. As long as it's, it's not, Matt Rule, as long baby. As it's not Jason. Huh? 
It's gonna be Matt Rule, baby. I, whatever. And then, <laughs> as long as it's not Jason Garrett, I guess I'll be okay. And if it's Matt Rule, I'll just I'll just wait. I'll count the days until he gets fired because I'm starting to wonder about the Giants ownership group. But really, I gotta go, so I won't get into that right now. Starting? Okay. Alrighty. Alrighty, man. All right, man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hammer you too much on the Giants, man. We we've we've talked enough. We, we've talked enough. Let's let's end this on a positive note. We've had a positive show, man. Not too much foilish activity. I didn't appreciate that cheap I mean, shot. I'm man. not a foil. It, you are because I, I, I don't appreciate. I don't, I don't I don't I don't appreciate the cheap shot telling me I'm not a hardcore Star Wars fan. But you know, we'll, I'll let you live. No, on. no, no, no. I said you're not a nerd. I said you're not a Star Wars nerd. Being a fan and being a nerd is not the same thing. I mean, look, am I sitting there writing my own fan fiction? No, probably not. But you know, that's my point. Nonetheless, I've, I've come. A, thanks to thanks to YouTube, I've seen what a Star Wars nerd is, and you're not it, bro. It's okay. It's, I don't understand. <laughs> I feel you on that. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that, man. Uh, Ray Jarvis, everybody, thank you for joining me on the show, man. Before you go, as always, plug the Rap Roundtable, plug the Gray Area, plug all the other projects you've got coming up. Uh, the latest episode of the Rap Roundtable is out right now. You're gonna, um, if you need the full episode, you can find it on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're going to be putting out clips throughout the month on our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. Um, on on Twitter, it's rap underscore roundtable. Everywhere else, it's the rap roundtable. You can look us up there, get the content that way, because we know it's a microwave era. So a lot of times people don't want to sit down through like a full episode of a podcast. But if they see a clip that they like, it might encourage them to tune into the full full episode. So the clips will be yeah. on social media, full episodes on the podcast channels. Um, the gray area, same thing. You can find a gray area on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, sometimes on YouTube, um, and everywhere else where you can find podcasts, actually, you can find me there. Um, and, you know, we just cooking, bro. No doubt. Uh, no doubt at all, man. Thank you for being on the show, man. First guest of 2020. Uh, so that's an honor. Appreciate it. No doubt, no doubt, man. Uh, we're going to get up out of here, uh, finish watching the rest of this game, enjoy our Sundays. Uh, for everybody else, man, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast as always. Thank you for being with us now. This is now going into our fourth year on the podcast. So for everybody that's been through us through the rough beginnings and to a different show name and everything, man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we got big things coming up in 2020. Uh, we're trying to, we're trying to take the podcast to another level. Got a couple other pro- podcast projects coming up. We'll share more with those as the weeks go on. Uh, but yeah, man, thank you for supporting this show and being a huge part of the show. Without you guys, the listeners, there is no podcast. So thank you from the bottom of my heart and happy new year to everybody. And uh, yeah, man, we're going to get up out of here. We'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. For Ray Jarvis, I am Manny Brown. We are out of here. Peace.